The business model that you choose affects absolutely everything about how you do business from what you do on a daily basis to how much money you make and how you make that money to how much time you spend working each week. So obviously choosing this business model is a really important decision. Far too often, this is a decision that isn't even consciously made, but just accepted as a default aspect of the type of business that you are building or the industry in which you're building your business. So let's change that. Let's open up our eyes to the different options and make a conscious decision about the business model that's really right for our businesses, our customers, ourselves, and our personal goals. This episode is one of a series we're currently doing on business models. In each episode, I'm interviewing a business owner about their business model, how it works, how they make money, what all it entails, so that you can learn about your different options and make that choice. We became entrepreneurs because more than anything, we want freedom. We want to be in control of our own schedule, income, and life. But unfortunately, that isn't always the reality of being a business owner. I'm Gillian Perkins, and I'm on a mission to take back entrepreneurship for what it's supposed to be. In every episode, I'll share with you how to get the most out of every hour you work so that you can work less and earn more. Let's get to it. Hey there, Marie, and welcome to Work Less, Earn More. It's so good to have you here. I'm honored. Thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. So I want to take some time today to explore your business model and figure out exactly how your business works, how your business makes money, so that we can just give the listeners some more ideas about different ways and different options that are out there for how they will shape and build their own companies. So to start out, can you give us the big picture? Tell us a little bit about exactly what your company offers and how you help your customers. Customers. Yeah, so our company is called Okie Dokie, and we are a very tiny studio. It's myself, my husband, and one full-time employee. And we run a signature course called Notion Mastery. So I launched that a couple years ago. It kind of took off in a way that I didn't expect. And so honestly, the majority of our revenue at the moment does come through our online course, which is kind of a hybrid self-study. There are office hours and coaching elements. And we do also bring in some revenue through consulting as well. And this is around helping helping people improve their workflow using the tool Notion. I love that your business is so simple that you were able to explain that so concisely. And I feel like you already <laughs> answered a bunch of my questions about how your business works in those like few seconds that you gave your answer. So that's awesome. Um, for people who aren't familiar with Notion, can you just give us a, a short version of what Notion is and what it does for people and how you're helping people with Notion? It's a software application, not unlike others like uh, maybe Asana or Trello. It's sort of an all-in-one productivity system. You can do your task management. You can wrangle all of your business documentation. So instead of using something like Google Docs, for example, it's highly, highly visual. Um, for me, when I started using Notion as a way to kind of manage a very large scale study project, so I was doing my permaculture diploma, lots of messy notes, you know, there's instructor notes and worksheets, and there's links, and there's just, you know, so much information. A lot of us are always uh, trying to find ways to kind of organize all of this information that's coming at us. And so using Notion was such a great way to do that. And I started asking myself, 
okay, what else could I do with this tool? I could put my tasks in here. I could do my strategic planning in here. And it, it kind of took over my life. I got really, really excited about it and just started uh, singing it from the rooftops. And uh, <laughs> that's that's kind of the beginning of it. But it really did transform my workflow. And it just centralized all of my data and important documents in one place. Thanks for explaining that. Okay, so it, you said most of your revenue comes in from sales of Notion Mastery, your course. So let's kind of focus in on that. Then maybe later on, we'll get into talking about any other ways your business makes money. But as far as Notion Mastery goes, let's start with the origin of it. When you first launched it, how did you make your first sales? How did you attract your first customers? I had a lot of people asking me questions about Notion because I was very vocal about it. I think I was tweeting about it a little bit. I was helping friends on the weekend. I was basically, you know, anyone who was saying hello to me at that time in my life, uh, you know, would hear about Notion. I was just so freaking excited about this tool, which is, I do acknowledge, is, is very, very nerdy. But I was very excited. Um, what I did know at the time, too, is that I have ADHD, and I, I didn't realize how valuable the tool was to me as a very, very visual person to be able to find information really quickly. So again, I was just very passionate about it, very enthusiastic about it. And and someone suggested to me, they said, if you made a course on this, I would pay you. And I thought, oh, okay, there's there's something here. You know, enough people have been kind of curious and asking questions. And I was already spending a lot of time kind of sharecasing and showing it with people. And I was at a mastermind and someone suggested, they said, you need to double down on YouTube. You need to make a YouTube channel about this. And I was like, okay, one, do I want to be on YouTube? That seems really, really scary. And two, is this something that I want to be known for? Because previously at our business, a lot of what we were doing was consulting with people who ran online courses. So we were a little bit more behind the scenes. We were consultants. You know, I had developed courses over the years, but it wasn't our primary source of revenue at the time. So I was like okay, do I, do I do this? Do I make the leap? And I thought, you know what, let's just try it. Let's just see where it goes. I'm going to, I'm going to do this. Let's start this YouTube thing. Took me years to get up the courage to actually be on video. And and even the idea of publishing a YouTube video was very, very scary, but I did it. And, and it was such a sort of popular medium for, you know, people were searching for how do I do this in Notion? It's such a complex tool. So uh, YouTube was such an amazing way to showcase and screen share how to do something inside the tool. So it kind of started there with people kind of asking me taking a bit of a chance on YouTube. And uh, it actually caught the attention of the Notion COO who reached out and said, hey, maybe there's a way for us to, to collaborate. And they asked me to do their office hours. So we started doing weekly videos, very casual, you know, showcasing different use cases for it. And so that was kind of the beginning. And so I'd say between, I think it was August 2019 and November 2019, I launched a beta of the course. And I had no content together other than the free videos that I'd been doing. But I said, hey, I'm thinking of launching a course I think at the time it was going to be $300 and we'll do a weekly call every week for six weeks and it's going to run like this. And it was just a concept at the time. And so I pre-sold it and it brought in $10,000 in that first week. And I thought, okay, there is something here that with very little effort and a very tiny list, people were like, take my money. And that was mm-hmm. that was the beginning of, of all of it. Wow, that's awesome. So when you made that first $10,000, how were you promoting it? Did you have an email list at that point you were promoting it to? Or did you do it on YouTube? 
I think YouTube was probably the best channel for me at the time. So I had committed to doing a weekly video every week for 12 weeks. And so mm -hmm. I'd already had, you know, several videos up already. I was doing the office hours pretty regularly. I was starting to get known in the space. And for me, uh, Twitter is a pretty big channel for me and kind of where I have conversations with people and just kind of share little screen caps and what I'm up to. So I didn't really have much of a list at the time. So I didn't really promote it to my list. I might have sent out one email saying, hey, is this something you might be interested in really <laughs> casually? Because I, I was too afraid to, uh, to really put it out there because I hadn't built it yet. And I, it was still sort of a testing the concept. Is this something that people really want? So it was very casual in the beginning, just while I was testing the waters and, and seeing, um, you know, who, who was interested and who was going to purchase. So I'd say YouTube and Office Hours and Twitter were probably the main channels for getting the word out initially. I love how you, you know, you keep saying like you went into it so casually and you were you're kind of barely trying <laughs> to promote it. But that clearly your idea was validated there. And there was a huge demand for the product that you were able to make that much with such a casual launch. And, and that's what kind of told me. I'm like, OK, there's some traction here because that was the easiest money that I'd ever made. And I thought, okay, mm -hmm. it, what's the catch here? This can't be this easy. <laughs> but then of course, the next step is actually building out the product, which which took a really long time as well. So I felt like I was in a beta phase for a really long time. I think it felt probably like five months or so. And I just kept extending the hours. And I just said, you know what, we're not we're not going to end this. It's not going to be a cohort. I'm just going to leave this open. So anyone who has purchased can just continue to come to these weekly calls. And so it definitely evolved and kind of emerged. And as I just got more feedback, like I think there's something about being live with people. It's very, very different than if I were to just make the thing I thought people wanted and put it out there and sell it. I was with people every single week, all the time, hearing their questions directly, seeing the comments that come in on YouTube, seeing what questions came up in the office hours. So all of those questions were basically feeding the content. And I would just say, oh, that's such a great question. I'm going to go record a lesson on that or record a YouTube video on that. And so really just being in touch with people is what kind of made the product over time. So it definitely evolved and looked a lot different over time than my initial picture in my head. That's a great point. And I love that you brought that up because, you know, online, a lot of the time when people build an online business, they have this idea of building a business that creates entirely passive income that's very hands off. And there are so many amazing things about that. And I love the flexibility that that offers. But my experience in my business has been that when things are a little bit less passive, a little sometimes less automated, and it's a little bit more, mm -hmm. a little more high touch, a little bit more hands on and I'm regularly interacting with my audience and my customers, that's when I enjoy the work that I am doing the very most. Because first of all, you have, of course, that relational aspect of it, like it just brings it to life. But also, I feel a lot more confident in the work that I'm doing because, you know, I just had a conversation with someone where they told me they needed this or where they asked me a question or where they said that the product was helping them. And so that just inspires me. And like I said, gives me a lot more confidence. I absolutely agree with you there. And, I, you know, I think that it's important that people think about, you know, as we're having this conversation about business models, think about how hands off or hands on they really want to be with their business and what their true goals for their business are. Is it just to have, you know, a source of income? Is that your only goal for your business? Or do you want to enjoy working in your business? Is your business related to something that you have a passion about? Um, do you want to get some community via your business and all these other things like what really are your goals for your business. 
I think you bring up such an important point too, is because, you know, as as we were talking about even even before we started, was this idea that we sort of think there are these limited business models and it has to be one of these different ways. And I, I think each of us we have our own different strengths, even as a teacher or as a coach or whatever it is that we're doing in our, our different business models. I'm a huge fan of designing your business model to meet the way that you want to show up in the world. And I know that for me, I need that connection with people. That's super important. Whereas for other people, they're like, I'm happy if I if I never have to do uh, group coaching or consulting or anything like that. And they're much more happy. Maybe their strength is actually in uh, the material and designing the materials. So I think you kind of have to play to your strengths a little bit. And for me, I knew that if I could get in front of people and I could answer their questions and and sort of show my passion, I get people kind of on board with what I'm up to because I get so passionate with people and, and people pick up on that energy. So I think we do have to keep that in mind. What's the business model that actually makes sense for your personality, for your strengths, for the way that you like to show up in the world so you're not totally exhausted every time you you know are running an online class because you're like, oh my gosh, that's not my, my zone of genius. For sure. And I think it has to do both with like, how do you enjoy interacting with people and what kind of schedule is energy Mm -hmm. energizing for you because I know that for me like I was saying like I really need to interact with my customers and that brings me a lot more joy and I also like being on camera but something I don't really like is I don't really like it when I have you were talking about doing weekly office hours I've tried doing that in the past and that was something that didn't work for me because as much as I loved the calls themselves I didn't like having a commitment on my schedule every week and that kind of made Made me feel trapped. Yeah. And again, that's another point with business models like online communities and, you know, cohort based courses and things like that. It's like when we make these commitments, it's really difficult. So that's why I'm a big fan, too, of doing beta offers and pilot offers first as you're like testing the waters and figuring out what fit really works for you. So you don't build a model, build an online community. and You're like, oh, crap, I actually don't like this model that I've built. But now I've committed and people have paid for this and I made a promise. So I'm all for testing the waters and finding your, your groove first. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> okay, so let's move on and talk about how your marketing has evolved. So you talked about your first launch, but let's look at what your process looks like now for attracting leads and then how you move them along your sales process and end up converting them into paying customers. But starting with how do you attract your leads? Where does most of your traffic or visibility come from? I would say it's still YouTube these days. So it was in the beginning and it still remains today. So even videos that I made, you know, two years ago are often still sometimes the month's highest viewed video because they, they're evergreen content. It still solves a problem and people still find, uh, you know, notion through those videos. So that's, I'd say YouTube is number one and uh, Twitter I'd say is probably number two. And then maybe number three would be my, my email list. And so when you say your email list, that is, for in my business, I use that as a tool for developing the relationship and educating my leads once they are a lead. But probably most of your traffic is actually coming from YouTube and, and maybe Twitter and then becoming email subscribers. Is that right? Or do you use your email list in a different way? One interesting thing that I do with my YouTube videos is I will try to tailor so that uh, when I'm encouraging someone to sign up after, hey, did you enjoy this video? Sign up for my list, that the thing that they would see would be a template related to the video that they just watched. Mm-hmm. So that's something I do like to experiment with a little bit where a lot of the videos will have some kind of free element, again, that's tied to the specific content in the video. So that's been a really incredible way to grow my list. Uh, I would say at, at one point, one of those lists or one of those um, templates had like a 90 something percent conversion rate. It was it was wow. direct. It was just... <laughs> 
<laughs> they watch the video, they sign right up for that template. So that's been really incredible. I mean, I was trying not to laugh when you're like, tell me about your marketing process, because I am definitely a very, very lazy marketer. But I, I feel like I've had, I've gotten a bit lucky because again, Notion is, it's very popular right now. It's uh, something people are already searching for. So it's, you're sort of feeding a starving crowd. So I haven't had to do a ton of effort lately anyway. It's sort of like I, I put the foundation in place and now there's sort of an engine there. So there are sales coming in on the regular because it is an evergreen course. People People can buy anytime. And so whenever I'm doing some sort of live event or something, I can always sort of push people and say, oh, hey, you know, you can sign up for my course if you want to know more. But definitely video, I think just given the nature of the fact that it's a tool, there's screen sure. sharing involved, you're showing people how to do something. Video is just, you know, naturally going to be one of the best vehicles to do that. Another fun way that's that's kind of pulled people in, I think, to my world and the product is doing uh, Twitter threads. So I'll actually say, hey, you know, I've, I've been exploring the way that I do my goal setting lately. Check this out. Here's how I do X. And I, you know, I will link the threads together and show these little teaser screen caps. And people are like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. Click on the link, go to my website, check out the videos, sign up for my list and that sort of thing. Um, but I, I have to say, I'm not super regimented. Again, as someone with ADHD and I can be a little uh, distractible, it can be very difficult to be really, really consistent. So that is something that I struggle with. But again, I feel a bit lucky in that I've been able to put some of those foundational videos in place such that they, they're they still kind of doing the heavy lifting for me. I can relate to everything you're saying so much. <laughs> Okay, let me take just a minute to tell you about something that has changed my life. YouTube. Seriously. Now, I'm sure you're probably aware that YouTubers can earn money, but you might not realize how much. It's not just pocket change. You can make a full-time living as a video creator. Make good money making fun videos? I know, sounds too good to be true, but four years ago, I started my own channel, and in less than six months, my husband and I quit our day jobs, sold our house, traveled to Europe for two months, and then came back and bought a new house. And that was all financed by, you guessed it, my YouTube channel. I know this sounds crazy, but I also know I'm not the only one. There are literally millions of people supporting themselves from YouTube. And they do it by making videos about every topic you could possibly think of. Cooking, cleaning, art, makeup, career advice, real estate, cats, books, and even just reacting to other YouTube videos. If you want to learn more about how this works and how you can get a piece of the action, then check out my free on-demand workshop called Three Secrets to Reach 1,000 Subscribers and get your channel monetized in just three months. Because that's the truth. If you know how the platform works, you don't have to wait years for your channel to grow. You can start getting views from day one, be making money in as little as three months, and be on your way to making a living as a creator before you know it. Sign up now for this free on-demand YouTube training by heading to gillianperkins.com slash YouTube training. Again, that's gillianperkins.com slash YouTube training. And of course, you can find that link in the show notes as well. I can't wait to teach you how to start your own successful YouTube channel and start earning a living as a creator.
So you were talking about how you give away different templates and resources that relate to what you were talking about in the video and your business and the topic that your business is helping people with is a topic that lends itself to that so well. And I've also found a lot of success with that strategy as well. I don't do it in every video. I should probably do it more, but I remember <laughs> one specific video that I often think about, which now is going to sound like nothing compared to what you just shared, but I've always been blown away by this. I did a video where I uh, guided people through how to write a business plan and I used Ooh. a business plan template that I had created. And so of course that was the opt-in for it. And I included on the thumbnail, I remember I put some text that said plus free template. So people even walked into that video with the expectation that they were going to get something. And so Smart. I believe that from that video, we saw a 13% opt-in rate. So 13% of the people who watched the video went on to join my email list. And that video got, I think a couple hundred thousand views. So it Incredible. added thousands of subscribers to my email list. And I was like, wow, well, well, that was something that worked. We should do more of that. Yeah, and it's like that's it's sort of the stuff you can't really plan, right? Like you can you put your videos out there and you never really know what's going to stick and that's why I think we just we do need to experiment. We need to try out these different things and and you never know like the thing that you think might be the more popular one is is often not what people actually are are seeking. So it's interesting to dig into that data a little bit and be like, "Ooh, this one was really really popular. Maybe we should actually record a new version of that, right?" And you can actually use that as a way mm -hmm. to kind of improve your content over time. Yeah. And it's, I think it's also important to strike that balance between experimenting and kind of doing the scattershot, trying different things like you were saying yeah. to find the thing that works that maybe isn't what you expect, but then also balancing that out with doing more of what works, repeating the processes that you found success in the past. Okay. So you shared how you get people onto your list and just how they become a lead. And it sounds like the people who you are serving, they're really um, what I would call solution aware people. So they're people who mm -hmm. they know that they have a problem. Their problem in their case is, I, I, well, you tell me, is there a problem that they don't know how to use Notion or is there a problem that they need to get organized? Ooh, yeah, that's a good question. I think people feel really scattered across different tools. They feel sort of disorganized. There's just not a sense of flow. Uh, maybe between team members, you're like, oh, wait, is that in the Dropbox or is, is it on Slack? Or, you know, you're, you're just kind of fragmented a little bit. And so people have started to hear a little bit about Notion or maybe they're tweeting and saying, hey, what are you using for X? And then someone's suggesting Notion and then they're mm -hmm. like, oh, wow, this tool is intense. It's difficult to learn. So we do get people that are just hearing about Notion for the first time. And then we get people who have tried Notion, they know it's powerful, but they're still not totally sure how to organize it because it's a completely open-ended tool. You have to give it the structure that you want. It's not opinionated like tools like uh, Asana, for example. So that's where people are like, well, what's the best way to set this up to be organized? So they are already aware that they want to use Notion, or at least they're pretty sure they want to. Maybe they already have started using Notion. And so now they're at a point where they're like, I need help with this. And so that's why they buy your product. Yeah. And so yes. you are in an amazing opportunity there with your business where you have, there is a large group of people out there who are in that place and kind of hungry to buy, like you said before. 
yeah, and that's where I feel a little bit lucky in that, okay, I can I can get away with, you know, being a little bit lazier on the marketing side. Uh, and partly that's because I think I've been focused more on the content of the course. Like I just really want the course to be excellent. So then I can sing it to the, you know, sing it from the rooftops. And so I've been in a bit of a course revamp, um, you know, gathering the feedback, seeing where people get stuck, revamping the content. So right now I've, I've definitely pulled back a little bit. I'm not as vocal about the course itself. Sales are still, you know, trickling in. But I think once, once I feel a little bit more steady with the, you know, new version of the course, then I think I'll, I'm going to, you know, put things into, into fifth gear on the marketing side of things. But uh, yeah, because people are already solution aware, I have that advantage. Something that I think is interesting about your business model is that you have kind of this symbiotic relationship with your product and Notion itself. So you didn't try mm-hmm. to come up with like a brand new invention, you know, cre- create the wheel and then try to tell people about it. Instead, there's a product out there, Notion, um, and you came alongside that product to offer this related product. And I have a product like that in my business people might not think of it quite the same, but I sell Creator Fast Track, which is a course for people who want to grow on YouTube. And so it has that similar symbiotic relationship with YouTube. Uh, YouTube not being a paid product, I think that people might not immediately make that connection, but it's interesting to be somewhat dependent on another product for your sales. Like if people suddenly overnight were not interested in YouTube at all, I wouldn't make any sales of my YouTube program anymore. But at the same time, it's a big advantage because like you were talking about, people already know they're already interested in Notion itself, right? And so they're kind of naturally interested in your product. So Notion is kind of doing their marketing ends up benefiting you. And in my case, YouTube's marketing ends up benefiting me. So that's just an interesting aspect of your business model that I think you know, I want to call to the listener's attention. And also, if if anyone who's listening right now hasn't yet settled on the product idea, you think about that. Uh, think about the fact that you don't need to create something brand new that no one's ever heard of before. You could create a product that it has this kind of symbiotic relationship with another product, something that's almost like an add-on product. And that might Absolutely. open your mind to more ideas that you hadn't considered in the past. And I think that's it's honestly such a great beginner strategy too, because again, you're you're leveraging the searchability that people are already looking for how to solve their problems with those other tools. So I think it's just such a great way versus trying to get attention for something when you're relatively unknown and people don't trust mm-hmm. you yet. So I, I'm a huge fan of piggybacking on uh, yeah other software and, and things that already exist. And also when they don't even know they need your product yet. And that goes back to what I was saying before, like you're marketing to people who are solution aware. It's so much easier to market to people who know that they want to buy something and know what they want to buy than trying to market to someone who, even if they know they have a problem, they don't yet know that they want your solution. Okay. So now that we've talked about everything about your audience and how you are attracting these leads. Let's move on to talking about your closing strategy, Marie. What do you do (laughs) to motivate people to purchase your product after they've already, you know, somehow gotten involved with your audience or have gotten on your email list or something like that? I'd say, again, like I'm not, I'm not super disciplined with my email strategy, but what I like to do is showcase what's possible with the tool. Cause it's really, it's not really about the tool. It's like, what does the tool help you do in your life? So I love doing some deep dives behind the scenes, sharing screen caps because 
you know, my space is beautiful. I've been using it for years. And uh, I think people are drawn and attracted to the way that it looks and they want to sort of mimic that in their own space. So I'll take really common key use cases and I'll just break them down and show people how it works. And I'll do that uh, both through email and again, through those uh, those tweets and whatnot. But I'm, I again, I'm a pretty lazy marketer. So I'm not doing any sort of hard pitching in my mm-hmm. email. It, it's just like, hey, check out what you can do. P.S. Did you know I have a course on this? It's, it's pretty casual in terms of its approach. And uh, I sort of assume when people are ready, they're going to take that leap. And I just kind of keep letting them know why it is transformational for them. Okay, so you mostly focus on just making people aware of your product. And because your audience is so hungry for the product and so solution aware, they don't need any more motivation than that. Do you sometimes do like sales or anything like that or just completely um, on other people's schedule? (laughs) Yeah, I, I have it. Like sometimes I'll do, uh, you know, promotional things on other people's podcasts or, or, you know, even on other people's YouTube channels too. They'll say, hey, are you willing to do a little like special segment when we can kind of feature your course and that sort of thing? And, and that gives people a better chance to see a little bit more behind the scenes of the course. But again, I think because I've been so focused on the revamp of the course behind the scenes, I've been much more focused on the content creation and just making the student experience really excellent before shifting gears to really deepening into my marketing strategy. So I'd say marketing strategy is going to be my big focus in Q1 now that I'm pretty close to wrapping up the new version of the course. And in terms of strategy, definitely getting back to those YouTube videos because I know that those work. It's like anytime I showcase something really, really specific, I I see the sales right after a YouTube video. Um, So I don't have to push too hard. It's more like just show what's possible. Let people kind of self-identify and say, oh man, I I really need to do that in my workspace. And they jump along whenever they're ready. That's really cool. Okay, so let's move on now to talking about how you kind of what the different costs of running your business are in terms of both time and money. So starting Mm. with money, what are some of the biggest expenses you have in your business? So salaries are the big one. And then contractors followed by software and sort of, um, you know, web apps and that sort of thing. So I'd say uh, it probably costs between seven and 10k a month in uh, contractor and software expenses. Tell me about some of the different contractors who work for you. So full time employee is COO, we call her, so our our sort of operations and admin. And then we have a graphic design contractor. We have a a co-instructor. So she is someone that also teaches elements of the course with me as well, helps design live trainings. And uh, we have a community support person who answers questions in the community. And we have a couple of other people with just like much smaller roles, uh, some volunteers as well. But those are those are the core ones. And then what different software do you use? Just a couple of like the most expensive ones, perhaps, or the ones that play the biggest role? Certainly Notion would play the biggest role for sure. Uh, We have an enterprise (laughs) account there. And so the whole course actually is run on Notion, which uh, kind of blows people's mind because it's not actually a teaching platform or it's not a course platform, but it's meant to show people what you can do with the tool and pushing the boundaries of the tool. So that's that's a pretty cool thing that we're able to do there. Yeah, that is cool. I understand what you mean because I've, when I first, I use Asana in my business, but when I first Mm -hmm. came into Asana, they had a whole like onboarding course built into Asana. um, And I thought that was really interesting, just like that they had put the different components of the course into essentially different tasks and then could have embedded, you know, videos and or linked to videos and different things like that. And I was like, oh, this is just a really creative alternative way to run a course. And it worked really well. Exactly. It's sort of showing people 
who are wanting to learn about the tool, what you can do with the tool right away. So they're sort of like, oh, wow, okay, this is interesting. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize you could do that. So that's pretty cool. Um, So that's actually not a really great cost, though, because we do have a really good relationship with Notion, because they know that uh, if I can build sticky users for them, then that's a huge benefit to them. So we definitely have a a really great relationship there. Um, In terms of other tools that we use, we use Circle for our online community. We use Zoom for our live events. We use Luma for registration for live events and also collecting feedback and that sort of thing. So that's been a really great addition, I think. We actually get way more feedback now that that uh, we're using Luma for the live events. I meet other ones, you know, Slack, 1Password, Dropbox, Wistia for video hosting. Those are probably some of the, the main ones. Uh, web hosting, we use uh, Flywheel for web hosting. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there's a ton that my husband uses too. He's more CTO, so he definitely, uh, you know, SSL certificates and just any of the technical stuff is the stuff that uh, that he handles. But those are the the core ones. And so, how about the time expenses? What are the things that take your team the most time that they spend the most hours on every month, and then also you personally? Yeah, and this will definitely range from, I think, season to season, month to month, depending on, you know, what kind of cycle that we're in. So for example, we just finished a full weekend of live training. And so there's going to be, you know, video editing and customer support and uh, prepping worksheets and, and a lot of curriculum development and stuff. So there's definitely these phases that happen um, that can, you know, sometimes be quite erratic, or it's like, okay, we know September is going to be really intense, and then we're then it's going to chill out a little bit. So that will depend on the team member for sure. But myself and my co-instructor obviously do spend a lot more time uh, designing the student experience of training and live events, improving lesson design, spending some time in the community. So it kind of depends. But I'd say at the moment, the majority of my time is really on curriculum development and design, uh, video production and editing. But that's also something that my assistant can help with as well, my operations um, manager. Uh, Descript is actually another tool that we do use for our video editing as well. So I better Mm -hmm. better mention that because that's definitely a huge really helpful one just so that anyone else can do that video editing it's not just me my operations person would be uh, you know improving automation setting up convert kit uh, setting up welcome sequences sending out emails to let people know what events are coming up and uh, managing support so if people are asking questions in the chat while we're doing something live that sort of thing so it really depends on the person and depends on the season and sort of time of mm-hmm. year but at the moment for me it's definitely I think probably content creation itself is my, you know, queen bee role. That's the thing that I need to protect and and really make time for. So that would be, uh, that's my top priority. Well, that kind of leads right into my final question for you, Marie, about your business's prime mover. So prime mover is a term I use to describe the activity, the number one activity that has the biggest impact on your company's revenue. In a lot of small businesses, it tends to be something that the owner operator does themselves. But in some businesses, it's something that their team does. So what is the number one thing that you or your team does that has a direct impact on your business's revenue? I think it's got to be video creation. And whether that's video creation on YouTube, or whether it's actual uh, video creation in terms of lesson design and showing people how to do stuff, do demos. Yeah, it's basically video driven content creation would be our number one uh, asset, if you will. 
Awesome. Well, thank you, Marie, so much for everything that you have shared with us today. I will be sure to include the links in the show notes to your resources, because I'm sure that many of our listeners might be interested in learning more about Notion. Um, I'm a big fan of having a project. Yeah, Uh, just project management tools, whichever one you choose, I think is for me also, I definitely have some ADHD tendencies at least and Mm -hmm. my business and my life was really kind of a mess until I started using a tool like that so um, yeah, highly recommend at least doing some research to to start looking into a tool that can help you just organize everything that's on your plate. Anyway, thank you so much, Marie. This has been awesome. Thanks so much for having me. Have a good one. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Work Less, Earn More. Now, here's what I want you to do next. Take a screenshot of this episode you're listening to right now and share it out on your Instagram stories. And when you do, make sure you tag me at Gillian Z Perkins so I can see you're listening. Sharing on stories is going to help more people find this podcast so they too can learn how to build their business in a way that allows them to work less and earn more. And if you really love the show, head over to Apple Podcasts right now and leave Work Less, Earn More a review to give it a boost and help even more people find it. Okay, let's wrap this up. I'm Gillian Perkins, and until next week, stay focused and take action. Mm